Now, I do actually have something you do want. And I got up nice and early just for you. And I stopped by Banbury Cross. Man, how many of you have had Banbury Cross? Oh, baby. Once you've had one of these, you'll never go back. Oh. I just had to get these after eating the Crown Burger. Anybody want a Banbury? Huh? Guys, I'm here. Here you go. Front row. Anybody else? Way back there. Whoops, sorry. Anybody else? Sweet. Sure. Oh, nice. Oh, one more. Here we go. Oh, fantastic. Mm. Welcome to church. Oh. You may not want to sit in the front row today. That's kind of gross. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. So here's the deal. Today we are talking about the reality that we are what we eat, okay? And so seriously, like this morning, I'm, <laughs> I need like some veggies and some fruit, man, because right now I got pastrami and American cheese and sugar and butter just flowing through my stream, right? <laughs> and... Uh, and I have a, there's a doctor actually in our Life Together group. His name is Brent Larson. <clears throat> and Brent was an ER doctor for years. And just uh, within the last year or two, they opened, he and his wife opened a place called Physician for Living. And uh, what they're doing now is they're helping people to realize, really, you are what you eat. Okay? So last year I went through that with Brent, you know, and one of the things he helped me to see was, Dave, he goes, you can try as much as you want to lose weight by running and exercising and doing all this stuff. He said, it really has nothing to do with that, really. The most important thing is, what are you putting into your body? And if you put the right stuff in, it'll help you to live. And so, um, glad he's not here this weekend. Are you here, Brent? <laughs> um, so, uh, my sister and I, years ago, we were talking about getting in shape, and she mentioned to me a phrase that we kind of held on to as we were talking this through, and she said, Dave, either we can live to eat, or we can eat to live. Let me just ask you, how many of you live to eat? Okay, how many of you are liars? So, <laughs> I mean, seriously, I, I mean, I do know some people who eat to live, but it's very few of you, Okay. <laughs> Or me. And, and what does that mean? Well, it simply means this. And when you eat, when you live to eat, basically I'm living and it's like, man, whatever looks good. Man, I mean, I can't sit in the office and have people bring these and not have one. Can you? Why? Because I live to eat. Because it's good and it brings me pleasure and it feels good. So in that moment, I just consume. But if you eat to live, then you are taking and you're seriously, you're considering this food will be good for my body. It will bring me energy. It will actually nourish me. It will make me healthy. It will keep my, me alert. All that kind of stuff. And so very few of us do that. And here's what I know. Today, very, none of you actually are sitting in here going, man, I want to know how to breathe. <laughs> right? You're not trying to figure out how to breathe, but you are trying to figure out how to live. You are. If you're human, that's what you do. That's what I do. Every day, every day, all day long, you and I make decisions, and the decisions we make 
is because we think that if I do this or if I'm involved in this, somehow it's going to be better for my life. That's what we do. Man, I I tell you, the Bible, and that's why we're here today, is the Bible makes it very clear that God wants you to live. And when the Bible talks about that, God's not saying, I want you to physically be alive. He's saying, I want you to have a quality of life that comes from me. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Let me just finish that thing and swallow that down and then we won't have that happen again. All right. So God is saying, I want you to have a quality of life. And it is a life, you guys, that actually fulfills you. It is a life that satisfies you. It's a life that's productive. It's a life that brings purpose. It's a life where you have significance and meaning. It's a life of complete freedom. See, when you read the Bible and God says, I came so you could have life, that's what he's talking about. And every human being is trying to figure out how to have that. And so Jesus said at one point, he goes, the father has life in himself. See, what, what our teaching is, what we receive, the teaching we received is that there actually is a God who started this whole thing into motion. And he is the one who has given us life and he's the one who actually knows what is right. And in, in John chapter one, it says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And, and I want to tell you, most of us living in 2012, we read that and we go, all right, let's just skip to something I understand, right? But here's, but when he wrote it, in that culture, everybody knew what he meant. You guys, the word was a deep philosophical term for the reason for life. And the Greeks would have all these arguments because everybody was trying to figure out what's the reason for life? What brings life? And when John wrote this, he said, here we go. In the beginning was the word. In the beginning was the reason for life. And the reason for life was with God. And the reason for life was God. That's it. We're here. The reason we exist is for him and because of him and through him. And he wants to give us life. He goes on to say, through him all things were made. Talking about Jesus. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. And here we go. And in him was life. And, then, and that life was the light for all mankind. I, I just, I, one guy, a friend of mine, he just said, he goes, what Jesus did, you guys, was finally show us what it is to be human. That's life. And it was the light. It turned on the light for us. So you and I could end the endless search of where is it and how do we get it? And we could finally know that it's Jesus Christ. And one of my favorite verses for years as a follower of Jesus is John chapter 10, verse 10. And it says this. Jesus says, The thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. But I have come so that you could have life and life to the full. This is weird. I, 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 I always write my notes late, either Saturday night or Sunday morning. I like to take all my stuff and just do it one last time. And I got right to that part last night, a little before midnight, and the life flight flew over my house towards the hospital. And man, I just, I looked up there and it was flying over my house. And like right there, somebody's struggling potentially for their life. 
something went wrong. And now somebody's in despair, and they are flying him as quickly as they can to save their life. And here's what I do know. And here's what Jesus said. There is a war for your soul. And there is a war for your relationships, especially if you're married. There's a war for your marriage. And the thief is trying to steal your joy, to steal and kill and destroy. That's what he does. And I know in this room right now, some of you are feeling that. Your soul is not alive. It's empty. Your soul isn't life-giving. It's life-taking. It's angry and it's bitter and it's caught up in stuff. And you feel like you're shriveling up inside. And then we've got your relationship. Relationships are just falling apart and they're being destroyed all around. See, this is happening. And in the midst of it, we're going, how do I find life? And Jesus says, I came so you could have it. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. So how do we get it? Man, I want to pray. Can I just pray for us? Let's just take a moment and would you just, let's just take a second here and say, God, in the next, what do I got here? About 25 minutes when we're done praying to just share with you from God's word how you and I can have life. All right? So let's pray and let's get our hearts ready. Till the soil in your heart and get yourself ready to hear from God. Lord, thank you that you don't leave us to wonder how to live. Throughout all of history, you've been reaching out, revealing yourself, showing us, teaching us, and then ultimately through Jesus, we get to see it. People saw him, they touched him, they walked with him, they heard him. They saw the life lived. And today, you want to help us to know how to do that. So Lord, would you just open our ears so we might hear you? Would you open our heart so we could receive from you today? And I pray for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I didn't say this the other three services. So if you, you may have to hear this from me twice. But it was really weird, man. About a month ago, <clears throat> maybe six weeks ago, I didn't have any responsibilities on Sunday. And my wife and I came and we just sat in the service. <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> and I'll never forget sitting there and just receiving And I remember part of it was just my heart was like, I can't wait to hear what God has to say to me today. I'm just curious, do you come to church like that? Do you you come here like, I can't wait to hear what he has to say to me today. And I can't wait to know how that's going to come into my life and how it's going to affect me. I don't know. Anyway, I just was sitting there going, man, this is awesome. I'm quitting. I'm just going to start coming. This is good. All right. So here we go. I'm going to start off in Deuteronomy chapter 8 in the Old Testament. Uh, If you pull it out your Bibles, it'll be up here on your screen. Deuteronomy 8, uh, Moses is kind of recapping for the Israelites what their journey has been like with God uh, because they're getting ready to go into this beautiful promised land that God had for them. So before they go into the land, Moses has a few things that he needs to kind of recap with the Israelites, and this is part of it. And uh, we'll go here. And I might ask you some follow with me, and here we'll go through this together. Be careful to follow every command I'm giving you today so that you may, two of you got it, so that you may live. Don't miss this right off the bat. You have a God who says, listen, I want you to live. 
So be really careful, okay, to obey. Now, for the Israelites, he also wanted them to increase, and so they may enter and possess the land that the Lord promised on their uh, oath to the forefathers. Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the desert these 40 years to humble you and to test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. So this is crazy. So God leads these guys into the desert and he tests them. He goes, I got to test you. He said, because I got to find out something really, really important. He goes, I got to know, are you going to listen to me or not? Does that sound like parenting? Anybody's like, it is, but God, seriously, you guys check this out. And so when we hear this from God, what you got to understand is why does he want the Israelites to follow his commands so badly? Because he wants them to live. Don't miss the heart of God. We can get so twisted in our thinking and think that he's against us and he's got this, if we actually follow him, he's going to make our lives religious. It'll be anything but that. It'll be free and full. So he says, man, I got to test you because you need to know if you'll listen to me or not. Because it is critical. If you listen to me, you actually could have life. Verse 3, he says, He humbled you, causing you to hunger, and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your fathers had known, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Okay, what's going on here? It says that he humbled them, causing them to hunger. Now, now, what's going on? So here we are, the Israelites, where did he lead them? He led them into the desert, right? So there's thousands of these people in, their de- in the desert, and there's no food. So what God does is he's humbling them, because if you don't have food, you're created for food. If you don't get it, you're going to die, and yet he leads them into a place where they can do what? Nothing. There's nothing they can do to get food. That's humbling. How many of you have found yourself at some time in your life where you could do nothing? I can't save this relationship. I can't continue in this job. I can't control my emotions. See, there's a place where as human beings, all of a sudden you'll find that there's certain things your soul needs and you can't do anything about it. How interesting that God actually led them into the desert, caused them to be hungry, humbled them to the point where they realize if we don't get food from somewhere, we're going to die. And then what happens? The next morning they wake up and there's this funky white flaky stuff all over the ground called manna. And God provides what they need. For generations after generations, hundreds of years, a whole nation said, this is our story. God provided for us when we could not provide for ourselves. And it was crazy because God said, now you can only take just what you need. So what did the Israelites do? They took more. (laughs) Why? Because they were like, what if he doesn't provide tomorrow? Sound like you or me, (laughs) right? Hey, great, so God did that, but what if he doesn't? So we always want to be in control. And he says, so here's the deal. If you try to hoard some, so you have some for tomorrow, every time they did that, it got moldy and gross and worms infested it because God wanted them to know something. I'm trying to teach you something here. I'm going to humble you, get you to the point where you can't do anything for yourself, and then I'm going to do it for you. 
I want you to learn that I love you and I'll care for you and I am what you need. So he takes him through this. He says, he humbled you, causing you to hunger and feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your fathers had known. And then look at this. Why did he do that? Why? To teach you a much deeper, way more important message. And that is that you live on every word that comes from me. God says, I live on every word that comes from him. Just as you need physical food for your body or you will die, your soul needs my word. Your soul needs the revelation of what is true about life. Your soul needs to get in sync. You need to actually feed on my word, on my way. Live on it. And if you live on it, then what will happen is it will actually become a part of your life. See, like if you eat food, right? Like seriously, it goes into my system and it actually becomes part of who I am. It, It affects everything about me. And if you take God's word, you guys, and you listen to it like you're doing right now, but you do more than listen, if you'll take it into your soul, if you'll actually believe it, if you'll hold on to it and actually do what it says, then what happens is it starts to become a fabric of your being. Now you actually start to live in the same ways of God and they bring life. So now here's my question to you. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Do you believe that every time that you would hear a word from God, whether it's here on Sunday morning or just reading the Bible or even have his spirit prompting you, when you hear from God, do you believe that if you'll do what it says, that it will always produce life? And I remember I read this about a year ago in my backyard and someone down here said, no, I don't believe it. And the truth was, I don't either. I do and I don't. Anybody else? I do and I don't. See, there's certain areas where I do and I do. I trust him and I've I've tested him. The Bible says, I've tasted and seen the Lord is good. And there's other areas in my life where I'm struggling to believe that. And so I'm, I'm still thinking, no, God, that can't be really true. And so I'm doing it my own way. And what God is saying is, no, you guys, you don't live. You can't pick and choose. You actually, you don't live to eat. You eat my stuff and it will cause you to live. That's how it works. So here's what's crazy. So the Israelites go through this. Now let's jump to the New Testament in Matthew chapter 4. This is Jesus right at the beginning of his life. And it says this. Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. And Jesus answered, It is written, Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. See, when he got tempted, I love that, Jesus used the very phrase that God had said way back to the Israelites in the Old Testament. You know, check out these similarities. I've never seen this before. This is so interesting. So the Israelites were what? They were led, right? And where were they led? Into the desert. Jesus was what? He was led. Where? Into the wilderness. And by the way, the wilderness in Israel is desert. Have anybody been there? Like, I, I thought, man, I can't wait to see the wilderness. I'm from Michigan, right? I'm thinking pine trees and, you know, maples and oaks. <laughs> it's not that, man. You get outside, it is desolate out there. How interesting. 
Now, the Israelites were led into the desert by who? By God. Jesus was led into the wilderness by the Spirit of God. So here, see these similarities? And then what happened? He, te- he says, I led the Israelites. God leads the Israelites into the desert to do what? To, what did he do? Test him. Jesus was led into the desert to be tempted. You guys check this out. See, there's a pattern here with God. He goes, I want to find out what's in your heart. I want you to know what's in your heart. Now, here was the difference. When he led them into the desert, he provided food for them. He provided manna for them. He said, I want you to know that I am faithful and that I will help you. And yet, for Jesus, there was no provision. He had fasted for 40 days. And what did the Bible say? He was hungry. Anybody ever fast for 40 days? I've actually done it. You do get hungry. And so he's in the midst of his hunger. And right when he needs food, the tempter comes to him. And what's the tempter say? Come on, man. You're human now. And you're hungry. That's a legitimate need. You're just hungry. And you have the power of God. So go ahead and turn these stones into bread. Let me ask you a question. Is there anything inherently wrong with turning stones into bread? No. I mean, Jesus turned water into wine. He took loaves and fishes and he multiplied them. There's nothing wrong with turning stone into bread. But when the tempter said, hey, Jesus, you have a legitimate need. Go meet your own need. What did Jesus say? He said, no, no, you don't get it. Because I live on every word that comes from the mouth of my father. And my father led me here into the desert to fast. And I will trust him. See, Jesus knew that it would be better to trust his father than it would be to meet his own needs. Man, that is really tough because we meet our own needs all the time. Jesus had this amazing saying, you guys, he, he was hanging out with his disciples one day and he said this in John chapter four, verse 32. He told his disciples, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Do you remember what, what, uh, what the, about the manna? He said, I provided manna for you that what? That your fathers nor you knew nothing about. See, when God provided the manna, it was a total mystery to them. They're like, what is this stuff? How does this work? I don't know, but it keeps coming. Cool, right? I don't know how it works. And Jesus says, guess what, you guys? I have food. I have the, the very thing that nourishes my soul, that sustains me, that gives me energy, that keeps me alive. And you know nothing about it. So these guys are great. They're like, what happened? Did somebody bring him lunch? Yes. <laughs> Seriously, because someone had brought him some food? I mean, it's hilarious. And then Jesus says this, my food, what keeps me alive is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. So you guys, Jesus knew what you and I are seeking after. What's the reason for life? What brings satisfaction and wholeness? What completes me? What secures me? What sets me free to be who I am? Jesus knew, I do everything the Father tells me to do. And it gives food to my soul. So, when we look, this, look at this, you guys, so how do we do this? So how do we do this? And I, how do we, this is where it gets down to, to the nuts and bolts. I want to live. Anybody else out there want to live? 
I mean, I want to live. So how do I, how do I live on his word? Well, the first thing that has to happen is I got to hear his word, <laughs> right? So some of you might be here. Maybe you're new. And I just, I not, you guys, you hear me say this all the time. Don't wait until Sunday to hear from God. You know, don't wait until Sunday and hope in the ladder, Mike, or I give you a good message. Don't wait for one meal a week. Hear his word. I mean, there are podcasts, you guys. There are pastors I listen to. They're way better. I mean, there's incredible messages out there that you could be receiving. Open up your Bible and just let God just speak directly to you. The first thing that has to happen is if you're going to feed on his word is you have to hear it. Okay? Now, here's the second thing. And this is really, really important. This is what we're going to hit at the end today. Is not only do you need to hear it, because that's what you're doing right now. You have to decide whether you're going to believe it. And that's what you're going to do today. Do you actually believe it? And, and, and it's so crazy, you guys, because I, I think we're like that with food, right? It's like we sit there. It's almost like the server comes out, right? And he brings the food and he sets it before you. There it is. And then you make the decho- and then you decide, I'm going to eat that and I'm not going to eat that, right? And that's what you do. You make a decision. I think that will be good and I don't think that will be good. And so you make the decision whether you're going to do it or not. So you have to believe. But here's the third thing, you guys, and this is critical. I think what most of us do is you'll get the food and you'll, it'll set before you. Even like last night, man, Susan and I were so hungry. I cooked these burgers on the grill and oh my God, walk in the house, they just smelled so good. The cheese was all over. You could see them. And it's just like sometimes we sit here in church and we go, yeah, that's God's word. And you can even sit here and you can even say to yourself, I believe that. The meal's placed before you But you know the next thing you have to do? You actually have to do what it says. If you don't do what it says, if you don't take what God says and actually do it, you know what that's like? It's like having a meal set before you that looks really good and then you don't eat it. It's like going to a restaurant. The server lays the food in front of you and you don't eat it. And so the question is, You've got to live on his word. And so if you're going to have any chance today to really be able to do this, then then we've got to move to this place where we actually believe to the point where I'll follow through and I'll act on it. Let me me just give you a few examples. So uh, these last four weeks, we've done a whole series for four weeks in a row on what? Okay, on? Okay, thanks. I just want to be sure. Okay. Um, In fact, let me just celebrate for a second. How many of you were at our serving day yesterday? Okay. All right. Quite a few of you. Was that not a great day? I mean, it was unbelievable. You guys, over 250 of us showed up and we totally transformed these six homes and it was so cool. I wish you could have seen the face of this one woman who uh, lost her mother earlier in the year and then she lost her work and she was struggling with her own kids. She finally has a job, so she had to leave at 6.15 in the morning, so she was gone before we got there and she came back and her whole house was completely, and yard were completely transformed. Something she could have never done on her own. And just to see, it's like, that's what it's all about, you know? It's just awesome. Okay, anyway, we're going to celebrate more on next week. But we've been talking for four weeks about serving, okay? Well, what do you believe about that? So you've heard that word. Jesus makes it really clear. I didn't come to be served. I came to serve. And you can sit there and you go, I even believe that. Maybe you sit here today and you go, I believe that the best way to, for life to really be lived would be to serve, okay? So now let me ask you a question. Guys, if I went to your wife and met her in the lobby today and said, hey, so did your husband serve better these four weeks? (laughs) Have you seen a change? 
Gals, if I saw your husband and said, hey man, does she have more of a servant heart? Does she stop thinking about herself as much? And did she actually move? Did you actually do something? Are you actually thinking about your kids more? Have you seen a difference in your life? You guys see? So my question to you is, have you actually taken his word that you might even believe, but are you living on it now? Have you put yourself in the place to be a servant? Let's just bring it right here, right at home. Like one of the things we teach here, and Jesus makes it so clear, is that the church is a body. (laughs) That's the best way he could describe it. The church is the body of Christ. And every one of you in here is a part of it. And we only reach the whole measure of what we could be as each part does its work. You guys ever heard that? See, we, we teach that a lot here. And some of you might sit there and you go, yeah, I believe that. But my question is, how many of you have actually, if, if you're visiting, this is totally not for you, this is for people, but if K2 is your home, if this is your church, my question is, have you acted on it? If you're a part of this body, do you actually bring your service to this body? See, because if you don't, then there's no way that we can ever be all that God has created us to be. It's just like if I'm up here and part of my body stops working all of a sudden. (laughs) It's not complete anymore. So the question is, do you believe? Do you live on his word? And do you actually act on it? Because once you do, then it becomes a part of your being and it changes everything. Let me me hit sex real quick. God makes it really clear. And he says, if there's any sexual activity going on outside of marriage, he goes, that is not the way to life. That's not my plan. Now, I created sex. That's my plan. (laughs) He goes, and it's good, by the way. And I created it, though, to be lived in the way I've designed it to be, inside the confines of marriage. So if there's sexual activity outside of marriage, then that's not the way to live. And some of you, if you're Christians, you might have read the Bible and go, ooh, I got to turn the page real quick, (laughs) right? Because, and you might even sit here and go, I believe that's what God says, but what's your reality? The reality is, you know what, Dave? I'm hungry, And that's a legitimate human need. And I agree. Sex is a totally legitimate human need. God created us for sex. It's it's a part of, of our nature. But what you're saying is, I don't believe though. When you, if you're involved in sexual relationships outside of marriage, what you're saying is, I believe for me to really live. The best thing for me right now would be to have sex outside of marriage. I don't believe that what God says is going to be best for me. So the question is, what do you really believe? Do you live on his word? And and here's the big, deeper question. Do you believe that if if you held out and waited until the one person you're going to spend the rest of your life with to be sexually involved, do you believe that that would be better for your marriage? What do you believe? What you actually believe is what you'll live. Like if I bring up money here, right, in church, everybody's like, <gasps> immediately, crap. Hate it when he talks about this, right? And, and why do we hate it when we talk about money? Well, because we think, we believe that our money is ours, right? We don't think it's actually God. It's so funny, you guys. So yesterday, Susie and I were working on our budget, like all afternoon working on that dumb thing. I don't know what you, but you guys, when you get, anybody else in here, when you get done working on your budget, you're totally cranky. Anybody else? <laughs> I mean, I was so frustrated. I'm like, God, why, why is that happening? Why we can't do this and all this kind of stuff. And I just, I was, I was just in a really crappy mood after going through our budget. And then of course my wife started praying. <clears throat> you know, this is no lie. She's praying. I'm watching the tigers while she's praying on TV. And, uh, and I'm listening to her. And as she's praying, 
all of a sudden I realized, I'm like, oh my gosh. I went through that whole budget process like this. Here's my paycheck, and here's what I make, and here's what I have to do, and here's what I want to do, right? And I can't do everything I want to do. Anybody else? See, that was my whole, and then I get done, and I'm, God, this is so stupid. And then Susie prays, and while she was praying, all of a sudden it hit me. I'm like, wait a second. What do I actually believe about money? And this is, I'll tell you, finally, I'm like, God, I am so sorry. Because you know what I actually really believe about money? I actually do believe that all, everything I own is his. That's what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches actually that everything you have is actually God's and he gave it to you to be a steward of. And then he's going to ask you, like I know he's going to, Jesus makes it really clear. He's going to get up and, and when we get to heaven, he's like, hey man, what did you do with everything that I gave you? And we're going to go, dude, I used it. <laughs> and it was awesome. Thanks. Right? <laughs> Appreciate that. You know, and, and can I just tell you, we can laugh about that. But if you read the Bible and if you read what Jesus says, you won't laugh. Because the reality is Jesus, it's very important actually to God that you understand that what he gives you is his and he wants you to be a steward of everything. Man, when I, when I, I'm sitting there and I'm like going, oh God, I'm so sorry. Man, look at all that you've given me. Look at what I have actually to give away. <laughs> look at the fun I have with my kids. Look at my house. I just, next thing you know, I'm, I, by the end of the time, I'm in total gratitude <laughs> that God has given me anything <laughs> and that he's entrusted me with stuff to give back to him. What do you believe? It will totally change if you live on God's word. And here's what's crazy, you guys, is, is can I, this is really important. Life is not individual. It's not. You don't, life is never meant to be just for you. Life is always communal. It's always communal. See, these things really matter. Like I do a lot of premarital counseling, just did some this week, you know, marrying somebody this weekend. And I do some after marital marriage counseling. And here's one of the things I know, you guys, is one of the biggest destroyers of marriage is money. Do you believe that if you didn't live it for yourself, that it might actually lead to life for you and for your relationships? You know what the other thing that destroys marriage is sexual infidelity, right? Do you actually believe that having the ability to hold on and not just follow your sexual drive whenever you want to, but to hold it off, to be faithful within marriage is going to be better for your life? See, we don't understand that life is communal. See, when God says, I want to serve, I want you to serve, sure, it's good for your heart, that's great, but what happens? We just changed some people's lives yesterday. See, when you serve, it actually affects everybody. And that's life. See, if you have sex outside of marriage, if you're sleeping with your girlfriend right now, there's a good chance you're actually sleeping with somebody else's future wife. See, and then she's going to get married, right? And she's going to finally be with the one that she wants to be with forever. And she's going to be in bed on her wedding night and you're going to be in her head. And she's going to be like, what are you doing in there? See, and you thought in the moment, sex is just good, man. This is good for you and me. And what you didn't realize was God says, no, sex was meant for this marriage to bring them together. And now there's comparison and there's competition. There's all this garbage going on. Do you guys understand? It is never just about you. It's always communal. Finances are not just for you. The needs in our own community, in this city, and in the world are everywhere. So God says, come, give to me just a little bit of what I've given you. Just one out of the ten that I give you. And then let me change the world with it. 
See, when you hold your money, sure, it might help you, but do you realize how others who need it are affected? Life, living, is communal. We're human, and we're all connected to each other, and it's huge. So, how are you feeling? Everybody encouraged today? Yeah. You know, people say, I love going to K2 because I don't feel bad when I leave. <laughs> Sorry, maybe that's not going to happen today. Um, no, but, but you guys, it is absolutely essential that you make a decision today. Will you live on every word that comes from the mouth of God? Or are you going to pick and choose what you want to do? Now, let me end with this. So what's my, what's my application for you? Get out there and try harder. Let's go, team. Be better. Do gooder. Right? (laughs) Come on. I mean, what is it? See, no, here's the greatest news about Christianity. Is Christianity said, here's the point. I have commands for you. And if you follow them, you will live. Can I just tell you something? You can't do it. I can't do it and you can't do it. It's the greatest news in all the world. Is that I fall short all the time. So it's not about me trying to be better at all. The truth is you are what you eat. And I don't have time, but in in John chapter 6, read it later. Write it down. Read John chapter 6. Jesus says, you know what, you guys? God provided manna for you, and you ate it. Your forefathers ate it. He goes, but now he's provided the bread, the true bread that comes from heaven. And this bread comes to give life to the world. And they said, well, man, give us that bread every day. (laughs) And Jesus answered, I am the bread. So you guys, when you say no to God, you don't just say no to his ways. You do. You do your own ways instead of God's ways. This is way more important. When you say no to God, you say no to Him. See, and what He wants more than anything else is to simply for you, Jesus said that point, you guys got to take me in. You got to bring me in. In fact, He said, you got to eat my flesh and drink my blood. And everybody's like, cannibalism! You know, that's, not, that's not what He was talking about. What He was talking about is, I will come and put my very spirit inside your heart. So that you can, I can help you live. Yes, you do need to trust him and you need to believe in him. But I'm telling you what, if you will believe and put your faith in Christ, he will come inside your heart and he'll start changing your heart and giving you the love and the hope and the joy and even the desire for the things that are good. But you've got to decide right now today, and so do I every day. Am I going to believe that I'll really live if I follow God's word. And only then. And it's true. So let's pray together. God, would you move in our midst and in our hearts right here, right now? And I just ask that you might even stir within us something that You've been already speaking to us. I pray for every person right now, they'd have their own individual time with you where they might hear your voice saying, believe me. Believe me. Maybe it's believe me. I'll forgive you. 
believe me, I love you. Believe me, if you put your faith in me, I will come and make my home in your heart and I will change you and make you into the man or the woman I created you to believe. Believe me. Believe me. Take a step. Take a step and serve. Have a hard conversation with your girlfriend. Be generous. And watch if you will not find life on the other side. I pray you'd move God in our hearts today. In Jesus' name, amen.